I'm going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning that you have ordained for us to be here sitting at your feet. God, I uh, just, I give you my heart. I know these ladies are offering up their hearts. We long for you to speak to us, Lord, as only you can. Lord, only you know our hearts. We don't even know our hearts, Lord. Only you know all of our situations, what is going on, Lord. And, and we just want to see you more clearly, Lord. So have your way. Help me to communicate your heart correctly. And we just give you this time, our ears, our attention. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're looking at, uh, it's women of faith, right? And so when Jenny told me that, that title, my heart was stirred. Because like prayer, I mean, I'm not here like, let me just tell you what it's like to be a woman of faith. <laughs> it's just like prayer, you know, you hear it talk about prayer and you're like, I should be praying more, right? And this topic of faith, it's like, I should have more faith. And so my heart was stirred like, I just want to have more faith. I was excited to study and, and look at this topic. And I know you guys looked at Sarah, and I think she had a, a title. I am not, I do not title. I tried so hard to title my message, so I can't title messages. But we're going to look at Rahab, and then we're going to look at ne- this afternoon, Ruth. And they're actually found together in one verse in our Bible, which is Matthew 1, 5, the genealogy of Jesus Christ, where it says, Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz begot Obed by Ruth, and then Obed begot Jesse, and go on and on to the lineage of our Messiah. So these two girls that we're looking at today, they're both, they started both as heathen Gentiles, both outsiders, but both of these girls were then restored and redeemed. They both had questionable backgrounds. Rahab, when we read about her in the New Testament, you'll still have that name, Rahab the harlot, attached to her. You know, but that's not what she is known for. That's not what she is remembered for. That's not what defines her. Her past, her mistakes, her failures, that's not what defines her. It is her faith in God that she is remembered for, that she is memorialized for. When I think of faith, I always think of Jeremiah 17. And you have places in the Bible that you always come to, just those those scriptures that you always look at are so familiar to you. Well, Jeremiah 17 is one of those for me, and I'm going to read it. It begins in, in verse 5, and it says, Thus says the Lord. And you know, we are in a room where all of us have different histories, different backgrounds. We have different things going on in our life, but the common denominator that we have in Jesus is that God's promises and word is the same for all of us. Like his promise is not like, oh, it, it just applies to her this way. Or just, it, it, it's the same across the board for all of us. And his word says in Jeremiah 17, starting in verse 5, cursed is the man, and I'm going to just say woman, can I say that? Cursed is the woman who trusts in man and makes flesh her strength whose heart departs from the Lord. She shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but she shall inhabit the parched places of the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. That's what God says is the description of a life who is not trusting him. It says, cursed is this woman. She doesn't trust the Lord. She's trusting in man. She's making flesh her strength and her heart has departed from the Lord. Her heart no longer is dependent upon the Lord, right? Her reason, her wisdom, her counsel, her understanding, it's all right here. 
in the natural. Like she's always just seeking the natural wisdom, right? And the description of that life is she's going to be like a shrub in the desert. I'm from the desert. I'm from Las Vegas. I know what a shrub in the desert. It's a tumbleweed. To me, that's a tumbleweed, right? A tumbleweed has no root system. Any little bit of wind like this takes that tumbleweed and just gets it tossing to and fro, right? Any little thing disturbs this life because there's no roots. And it says, she shall not see when good comes. She can't even see the good things that God is doing. And she shall be what? Dry, spiritually, spiritually barren and dry. But contrast that with this. Blessed is the woman who trusts in the Lord. That's verse 7. And whose hope is in the Lord. She shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots to the river. And she will not fear when heat comes. Her leaf will be green. She will not be anxious in the year of drought. And she will not cease from yielding fruit. What a contrast. This is just, this girl just hopes in the Lord. She just trusts in the Lord. And God does this work in her life, right? She's like a tree planted and you know she's her roots she's rooted and she's got this continual nourishment from the lord and her the description of her life it doesn't say heat and drought don't come it says heat and drought come but she's not fearing and she's not anxious and she's continuing to yield fruit and so we're going to look at rahab romans 15 4 it says whatever things were written before were written for our learning that through patience and comfort of the scripture we might have hope so this was written for us for our edification for our exhortation so we're looking at joshua 2 and so just a backstory and how we get to joshua 2 is that the people were god's people were 400 years in bondage right in egypt and they are crying out to the Lord. God raises up the deliverer in Moses, right? Pharaoh doesn't want to let the people go. God sends the plagues. The final plague was, right, that that there was every firstborn male was going to be struck. But the, the Israelites were instructed what to do. Put the blood on the doorpost and the lintel, and that, that, would, that would pass over them. And so Pharaoh finally relents, go, right? So the people go. They're, they're going, the Egyptians change their mind, come back, God parts the Red Sea, they cross over on dry ground, right? He puts the water back on the Egyptians. God does this miraculous work. He feeds them manna from heaven, water from a rock. He is a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And then they come to the land that God has promised them. Twelve spies go into the land. Do you remember this story? Ten come back and give an evil report. They say, oh, no, we cannot. There's giants in the land. This is an impossibility. Two come back with a good report. And guess what? Ten, ten men affected two to three million people. And that's the leaven of unbelief. That's what the leaven of unbelief can do. It can affect so many people. So they wander for 40 more years in the desert. And we come to the book of Joshua, and this is where God's people are finally going in to possess what they've already possessed by God, right? In, in the first chapter, God is saying to Joshua, go and possess it. Everywhere you put your soul, I've already given it, as I already told Moses. I mean, it was theirs 40 years ago to possess. And that's like in our Christian walk, right? Ephesians 3, or Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says that, 
Uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Right? God has given us all this to possess, yet sometimes we don't possess it. Right? We have freedom in Jesus, but we don't possess it often. We have peace. We have comfort. Right? We have strength. We have all of this that belongs to us, and we need to possess it. So, so we go, finally we're getting to Joshua, chapter 2. Here we go. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. It says, Now Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men from the Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and they came to the house of a harlot named Rahab, and they lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut, when it was dark, that the men went out. And where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof. And she had hidden them with stalks of flasks, which she had laid in order on the roof. Then the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan, to the fords. And as soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. So the spies come to this harlot's house. So they're coming undercover. Probably a good place to go, right, to a harlot's house undercover. It was like an inn. I mean, nobody's really looking at each other in a, in a harlot's house. And notice there's just two spies this time. Like, we're not sending any more than two this time, right? We got in trouble when we had more than that. But this is not an accident that these spies end up. I don't think it's an accident that these spies end up at this harlot's house because something had been going on in her heart, obviously. And Second Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro across the whole earth uh, to show himself strong on behalf of the heart who is loyal to him. And he had to have seen that, that, that shimmer of faith rising up in her heart. He's, they say, go search out the land to the spies, especially Jericho. Because Jericho was such an impenetrable city. It's like if you take Jericho, you can take the whole land. And it was a double-walled city. There was two massive walls that surrounded this city. It was a, would be considered an impossible city to overtake. But something prompted Rahab to hide the spies. Not to give them up. She hides them. In verse 8, We'll see what's going on. It says, Now before they lay down, Rahab, she came up to them on the roof, and she said to the man, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the terror of you has fallen on us, and all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord, notice, she calls the Lord by name, dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were in, on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven, above and on earth beneath. Now, therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token and spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters and all they have. And deliver our lives from death. So we see that Rahab and the people have heard about the Lord. She tells this story that happened 40 years before. We've heard this story. This was like a, an old story where God dried up the Red Sea. And then she tells the story. They've heard what just happened two weeks ago where they, they, where they overtook these powerful kings, Sion and, uh, and Og. And she calls the Lord 
capital L, capital O, R, D, Jehovah. She calls him by name. And the people of Jericho were afraid. They were trembling about the Lord. But it seems Rahab has an actual fear of God, right? She has an awe of God, a wonder of God. And that's not being scared of God. And she puts her hands, we see right here in the life, in the, her life in the hands of God by risking hiding the spies. She, she hides them, right? Putting her life in the, in the, and I think sometimes we make our little lists, like our pros and our cons, or we put things, we weigh things out. And I think if she were to weigh things out, I don't know if she actually weighed them out, you would have like everything she knew, her livelihood, her hometown. She had a house on the wall we'll, we'll see later, which means she was wealthy. It was a good, profitable business. She had a nice home, all that she knew. And then what was on this side? A God in heaven and on earth beneath, she says. And it's like, right? There's just no comparison. A couple months ago, I had a shoulder, something go on with my shoulder. It was really strange. And I have, we have a son with cerebral palsy. So I have to be strong. There's a lot of physical stuff that we do. And I was just so despairing because I was reading, you know, like Google, like we were so in bliss and ignorance bliss a long time ago, right? We could just not, but now we Google and it's like, ha, ah. so I'm Googling and I'm like telling my husband, I have this and this and I'm going to be impaired forever. And he's like, that's leaving God out of the equation. I'm like, don't we do that? Just do, We just leave God out of the equation. And she did not. She, she had all this, but when God's in the equation, like it's just all different. And she had a faith in God. It was not a perfect faith. Some people get hung up on that she lied and stuff. Well, it's not a perfect faith, but she had a faith in God. She had facts. And it wasn't just intellectual knowledge, right? It became true belief. And it's not just about faith. It's the object of our faith. The object. And I love what God says in Jeremiah 9. It gets me. Like he says, if you're going to glory in something, don't glory in your might and your strength, your, 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 your wealth. If you're going to glory in anything, glory that you know and understand me, says the Lord. And that's like God is saying, you can know me and understand me. And he wants us to know. I just love that. But she had this knowledge of the Lord. And it, it, I, you, I don't know if you guys looked at Genesis 18 yesterday, right? I love those words where Sarah, you know, finds out she's going to have, or God says she's going to have the baby, and she laughs. I had my last at 39 years old, my last baby, and somebody said to me, oh, you can do it. Sarah did it. I'm like, what? I'm 90. I was, you know, it was so funny. I always remember that. But anyways, now you can add up. She's six. Just do the math. Okay. So, but I let, you know, God says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything? And I think, like, Rahab gets that. Like, they're in these impenetrable cities. She's, like, secure with these walls, but she gets that is anything too hard for the Lord. No. Verse 14. So the man answered her and said, Our lies for yours, if none of you tell this business of ours. We're going to read down to 21. It shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall, and she dwelt on the wall. And she said to them, get to the mountains, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide them there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterwards, you may go your way. So the men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear, unless when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your own home, it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, 
and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our uh, on our head if the, if the hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours, then we are free from this oath you've made us swear. Then she said, according to your word, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. So the first, Rahab is mentioned in the New Testament in two places, and one is in James. And James, of course, makes that whole that argument that faith without works is dead, right? Faith with, you you have faith, let me show you my faith by my works, right? And he's not saying you're saved by works. He's just saying a real, genuine faith works. There is, there's action to real faith. And it says in James 2.25, Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and she sent them out another way? So her faith was manifest by actions when she did this. So how can we have a visible faith? Obedience to the word of God, I would say, is the most practical way that we can have a visible faith. I know there's ways we can have visible faith. There's things God prompts us to do, and all of you have your stories of faith. But just talking about a practical way that we can have visible faith is obedience to the word. You know, there's and so many examples, but somebody hurts you. Somebody does something to you. Somebody says something to you, and your immediate response is to just react in the flesh, right? That's what our flesh wants to do. And you remember what God says, what God's word says. Be slow to, slow to speak. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And you just go, okay, I'm not, I'm just <sighs> giving it to you, right? That is, that is obedience to the word. That is visible faith. I told you my son had has cerebral palsy. When he was young, I felt like the enemy would just come at me so much with worry. Worry about like what tomorrow would look like. What would happen, not just tomorrow, 10 years from now and 20 years from now. And what would happen with this and what would happen with that? And like just so scared. And God would remind me, Jesus commands what is, do not worry about tomorrow. And I would just have to shut it down. Just go, okay, I'm just, I'm just not even going to go there, right? That's obedience to the word of God. And it takes faith. It is faith that when we do that, I was talking to a girl the other day on the phone. And she's having like some marriage issues. And she knows what she needs to do. And she's telling me, I know what I need to do. And there'll be peace and it'll be good. But I don't want to do it. And I'm like, just do it. And she's like, I don't want to do it. I, she knows, right? Because it's Faith. It's that, it's that step of faith to obey God's word. Verse, Hebrews 11, 6, where it says, but without faith it is impossible, impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And it blesses God's heart when we obey him. It's a, it's a blessing. It pleases God when we obey him. Because there's times when everything in us doesn't want to obey. It wants to go our way. And when we obey him, we're saying, I trust you. I trust your way is higher, better, more perfect than my feelings right now and what I'm doing. And I just go, I choose his way. And the, and there's so much counsel that God gives us. There's just practical ways that our faith can be visible. So consider Rahab's situation. She had these armed men coming from the king and they like knocking on her door. She doesn't have any promise from these spies yet. She just, she's prompted to hide them and to trust 
in God. She says to the to these guys, "Hey, I you know, they're not here. Can you imagine if they're like, "Well, let's just take a look around." You know, I mean, there was had to have been some fear as she's like trusting God and saying they're not but her faith was greater than her fear. Psalm 56:3 says, "Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you." And there's not that we don't have things that cause us fear, cause our knees to like start to buckle. But the promise remains that underneath are the everlasting arms. When our the our son has cerebral palsy because our twins were born at 28 weeks gestation, which is 12 weeks early. It's pretty early. I know some of you have heard of like earlier babies than that, but it's early. He was two pounds. She was three pounds. And they were my first baby, so I didn't know anything about it, about what went on with labor and all that. So they're wheeling me in because I'm in full labor, and they're trying to stop my labor for 24 hours so I could have steroids because it's so beneficial when they're that premature. And the nurse says to me, if God is good, you will not have these babies today. And I'm like, whoa, wait, God is always good. And that's what we need to remember. We mean in everything, God is always good. He is always good. Her faith was greater than her fear. Her faith was greater than the unknown. I mean, faith does not have all the answers. It doesn't get a blueprint. It doesn't get an agenda. You know, we like our agendas. You Did you look at your agenda right when you got here and see when, like we talked about, you know, you look at, you like your agenda and you like to know what's going to happen and you want it all planned out. But faith does, faith trusts in the unknown. It does not have an, an agenda. It trusts, though, that God has all the answers, that he upholds me. Psalm 139 says, you hedge me behind and before and you've laid your hand upon me. That means like I'm like covered from every side. Right by the Lord. That's what faith does. It trusts. Faith sees with spiritual eyes and not physical sight. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the confidence in, in what we've hoped for and the insurance of what we do not see. I mean, think of in the natural. Rahab every, had every, uh, naturally, she looked good. She had the, those walls about her. You know, she has guards before her. Like, But she saw with spiritual eyes. In verse 21, it says, Then she said, According to your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. So we see immediate obedience. Immediate obedience. They say, bind the scarlet cord, and she immediately obeys. And God's commandments, sometimes they seem too easy. Like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Like, just trust you, acknowledge all my ways, and you're going to make my path straight. Doesn't that sound just too easy to, to be like, you know? But that's like what God says. Yeah, just just trust me. Just acknowledge me in all your ways, and I'm going to direct your steps, make your path straight, whatever translation you use, right? That Some seem too hard. Like the girl I said I spoke to on the phone, you know, she's dealing with a First Peter 3 situation where it's like, I'm supposed to be submissive when my husband's disobedient to the word of God? Like, I can't do this. Some commands seem so hard, but whether wherever it is, Jesus is going to meet us right there. Mark 3, do you remember the story? Jesus is in the synagogue teaching, and there is a man with a withered hand. Of course, it's, there's a whole backstory. The Pharisees are there. They're trying, it's the Sabbath. But, but the man with the withered hand, Jesus calls him forth. Imagine a withered hand. And he says to him, stretch forth your hand. That's an impossible commandment, isn't it? Like he's got a withered hand. But he says, stretch forth your hand. And, and, and the man obeys. And Jesus meets him right there. It's the same with us. Jesus says, do this. And we're like, I can't. But the minute we just step out in faith, 
right? Jesus meets us right there. So Rahab was saved only if she obeyed and she let down that scarlet cord in the window. And, you know, it's a beautiful picture. We're not going to really look at it too much, but it's a picture of our salvation. Jesus says, lo, behold, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. I mean, we see Jesus throughout our Old Testament. And this is a picture of Jesus, of the way that we are saved by his shed blood, trusting in his finished work. We are saved only in abiding by him and trusting in him. We're going to flip forward to chapter 6 and see how this story plays out. It says in... We're going to read verses 1 through 5. It says, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hands, its kings and its mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days. And and the seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, and then the walls of the city will fall flat. And the people shall go up every man straight before them. And so just verse 20 move down to when this actually takes place it says so they did this and then it says so the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the walls fell flat and the people went up to the city every man straight before him and they took the city so this is god's plan get all your men mighty men of valor you know and this is what you're gonna do you're gonna march around the city you know you're gonna just march around once a day for six days, and on the seventh day, you know, you're going to march around, and then you're going to all, the priests are going to blow the horns, the people are going to shout, and walls are going to come down. That's God's, that's God's plan. And hasn't God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I mean, look at this plan. Uh, who, could you ever have thought of this plan? I mean, would you, did they even feel ridiculous? Like, we're just walking around. <laughs> you know, I mean, this was God's plan. But you know what? We don't need to get God on the same page as us. We need to get on the same page as God, right? And I don't know if you can relate, because I totally can relate. I don't need to counsel God. You know, I need to take counsel from God. I don't need to tell God how this thing should work out. I need to say, how do you want to do this? I mean, you look at this and you go, why do I ever, like, why do I ever counsel God? And why do I so want God to get on with my program? When I should be the one going, I just want whatever, what is your program? Because I want to get with your program. Because truly, it's not ever something I could ever think of in my mind, right? Who would have ever, you think they would have ever thought of this thing and that God would do this? And so verse 22 of chapter 6. It says, but Joshua, so they take the city and it says, but Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the country, the two spies, he says, go to the harlot's house and from there bring out the woman and all that she has as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in and they brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought out all of her relatives and they left them outside of the camp of Israel. So in Hebrews 11, She's saved. 
by the way. That's what it's saying. You know, she's saved. They were true to their word, and they saved her. Her and her family were the only people saved out of Jericho. Hebrews 11, 31, which is the second place that Rahab is mentioned in the New Testament. It says, By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. It's amazing. She made it into the hall of faith. It's like, it's amazing. You think of who's not in the hall of faith? You know, I mean, Daniel's not there, you know? I mean, think of just all the people that could be, and it's not because they weren't truly heroes of faith. I mean, he even is making the point, time would run out if I tried to, you know. He, But, like, it's she made it. She is in the hall of faith. Because one thing, she put her life in God's hands. I mean, you think of what she did. She just trusted, she trusted God. She, she just put her life in his hands. And not only did she not perish, but her entire family was saved. Her, her mother, father, sisters, all of that family was also saved with her. And just as unbelief can be contagious, we talked about, it can be very contagious, so can belief. Belief can be contagious. Isn't it? Isn't it so contagious? We were um, we we're renting our building, and in every two years, it's like the lease comes up. There's no, you know, it's just like I don't know, and we end up releasing this building. And so the owner and his wife were there the other day, and they're believers. And um, she's just like, uh, you know, maybe God wants you to buy it, maybe not. You know, she's like, I just never fear, I never worry because whatever God wants to do, He's going to do it. And I was just like, oh. Oh, you know, isn't it just, you know, like, you know, like those are just those little, people say the little things like that to you and you're like, oh, isn't it just contagious? I'm like, so I was so full of faith. I was just walking out there. Whatever happens, it doesn't matter. You know, God's in control. Faith is contagious. I remember my very first Bible study um, at a Calvary chapel. And I went, and it was actually probably my second one because I went the first time, and I was like, I came home, and I told my husband, like, they're all so old. I don't want to go. They're probably my age. And I back then, I'm like, they're all so old. I don't think I want to go. But it's so good for you young girls to be around old old women. I <laughs> love the Lord. So um, he's like, you're going back. Is that okay? Am I offending anybody? <laughs> I'm calling myself. I'm saying old right here. So, old in the Lord, older than you in the Lord. How do I say that? I don't know. But I'm just saying, because sometimes our young girls, they just think like, well, I can't relate. You you know, it's good. So the, the second Bible study, and I can remember this as clear as day, and this woman was sharing about, and here I am, just, just barely saved, you know, and she's sharing that um, her husband had taken a different job by faith. And so he took a different job, and it was like cut his income in half. And so it was Thanksgiving and she was having dinner, but she was going to the store, but she could not afford flowers. And it was really sad. Like she always had a big bouquet on her, on her table for Thanksgiving dinner. But this year she just couldn't afford it. And she's praying, Lord, you know my heart. And so she goes home and she's preparing dinner and there's a knock on the door. And a woman she invited to dinner, but could not attend, said she could not attend, was at the door with this big bouquet of flowers. And she said, I don't know, the Lord just wanted me to come bring these to you. And I thought, and it just stirred in my heart, and this is in my heart forever, that that is how God works. You know, those stories of faith that we tell, I mean, how contagious it is. I think we should be talking about the Lord all the time and the good things that he is doing all the time. I'd love to hear about what the Lord is doing in people's lives. So this story is a story of faith, but it's also a story of grace. 
because Rahab had heard, right? She'd heard about God's might. She heard about his strength, his power, that he was God in heaven and on earth below. She had heard all about that. And so but she doesn't fully understand the heart of God, does she? That he was patient, that he was kind, that he was merciful, that he is long-suffering, that he has an everlasting kind of love, that he restores, that he upholds, that he renews, that he forgives. I mean, she could not understand all of that, but she was going to come to understand all of that, all that God was. And as Rahab walked into the camp of the Israelites, I mean, what was that like? I mean, here's this heathen harlot, and here she comes with her ragtag family. I don't know, you know, like, here they are. And then look at what God did. Can she ever have imagined what God was going to do? She was going to marry one of the princes of Israel and have, you know, be in that lineage of Messiah. And could she ever have imagined what God was going to do? Then, blessed is the woman who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. She shall be like a tree planted by the waters, right? And so, closing with this, I was um, yesterday on the way to school, carpool. The girls are like, ooh, there's a Tesla. I don't know, you know what a Tesla is? It's a car. It's a special car because it has autopilot. And apparently, in a Tesla, you can drive on highway, free highways, highways. It can actually autopilot, change lanes in highway driving. Um, so they're like, ooh, you know. So I'm driving down here, you know, and it's pretty scary driving. And I'm thinking, I would never, ever trust a Tesla. To, to, I would never. Like, don't you want to be in control? Like, when you're driving, can you imagine going, sitting back and letting a car drive you? I'm like, I, I just like, I could never imagine that. I would never do that. The car is cute. Maybe I would like, you know, like to drive it, but I would not want to sit back. But that said, don't we always want to be in control? Like, we want to be driving. We want to control. We want to navigate. We want to see. But when God, God's our Tesla, (laughs) right? We can sit back and we can relax and we can let him navigate and let him be in control and trust him. Can't we trust him? I'm going to pray for us. Lord, um, we just, again, thank you that we can trust you, Lord. Sometimes it seems so simple, Lord, just to um, put our faith in you and you're going to work it all out. Put our faith in you and you're going to work it all for good. Put our faith in you and you're going to see us through to the other side, Lord. But that is your promise and your promise is true. You never fail. You are always faithful. And I pray, Lord God, that as we are seeking your face, you would show us those areas, God, that we are in control, that we are not giving over to you, that we are not in obedience. You just help us, Lord. I know, Lord, you want to do a good thing in our lives, Lord. And you are patient, and you are long-suffering, and you're working, Lord. You don't weary of us. And I thank you for that, Lord, as, as much as I... Lord, fail and uh, look to my own resources. You stay faithful and patient. And I just pray that you would help us, Lord, truly to be women of faith. In Jesus' name, amen.